0: Amen. Thanks for your prayers. And so neat to see Pastor Gabby. Do you know that we've been supporting Pastor Gabby since before I got here, 14 years ago? So it's been a long-term relationship. And then also, for a long, long time, we are the only church in the United States that we're supporting uh, this unique ministry. So it's a beautiful, beautiful ministry. And I just... I want to reiterate, when you give of your time, talent, and treasure to this church, um, it really is all of the ministries of the church. From preschool, um, a vital important to a church right here in our community, to all the way to Lebanon and all the other places. So thank you guys for your ongoing care, love, prayers, and support of those ministries. <clears throat> Would you turn to the book of Galatians? And we are looking at our carrying on our study in chapter 3. And I wanted to begin with a story that's a little bit challenging for us to try and shape our view of chapter 3. Actually, the book of Galatians. <clears throat> and it comes from, we were church planting. <clears throat> I apologize for my voice. We were church planning, and uh, I was right out of seminary. I wouldn't recommend starting a church right out of seminary, but that's how it worked. And uh, just this young pastor, wet behind the ears, just a small group of us. There was actually eight of us that moved to uh, outside of San Diego, Tula Vista. And there's this older gal named Wendy that she came. She was probably in her 70s, <clears throat> long retired, and she started coming to the church and being a part of the church. And I was like, Wendy, I'm so glad you're here, but why are you here? There's no one your age in this little church plant. And, and so Wendy had this beautiful story. of She was diagnosed with cancer. Miraculously, she was healed. And she said, Eric, I've just been looking for a young pastor trying to make it work and that I might support him. I think I, like, shed a tear in front of her. I Like, no one says that, right? They're all, It's always like, oh, I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. And so, no, she just, in her faith, she just wanted to support this work. And so um, she was easily the oldest of our small little church plant and wisdom and so forth. It was wonderful. Loved having Wendy. Well, one day, a couple months into the ministry, <clears throat> she asked to meet with me. And she had a theological issue that she wanted to bring up and wrestle with. I was like, uh-oh. So she comes, and she says, Eric, you mentioned drinking beer from the pulpit. I said, yeah, I did, I did mention that. I think it was in a time of fellowship or community and so forth. And she said, I think as Christians we should not consume alcohol. So it was from her background, right? I, I think it was Baptist, if I can remember. But um, yeah, there's a number of schools, Christian schools that still have part of that. You don't drink alcohol, you don't dance, uh, you don't watch movies. Uh, so you have de- whole denominations. The leadership should not, uh, pastors should not drink alcohol and so forth. And so that was from her background and she was really wrestling with this. What would you say to that? I think in a very general way, the Apostle Paul is addressing some of these more difficult questions that we have as Christians. I'm going to uh, share a little bit about my response, but then resolve it at the end, okay? Because that's what I like to do. I like to keep you guys in waiting. But I, I said, could we look at Scripture together? Talk about that. And what was Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. She said, well, yeah, that's true, but the alcohol content, she had some literature and so forth. The alcohol content wasn't as potent at that time. And I said, you know, I'm pretty sure that there was drunkenness <laughs> in first century context, right? So, and I think it's a statement that Jesus wants us to think about. And I said, the other thing is, I I am familiar where, yes, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, so be with you. Drunkenness, for sure, would be a sin. But he also tells Timothy to add a little wine to his water for his stomach issues, right? And so we agreed to disagree And then I'll resolve it at the end of the message, all right? So I think some of these things are challenging. Some of these questions of how do you be a faithful and committed Christ follower? What does it look like when some of these issues, now if she would have brought an issue um, that is a a clear sin, like if I would have talked about drunkenness and being drunk, that would have been a different scenario. Right? If she would have brought up adultery or something like that, right, a different scenario. And I would say it would have been a different scenario for me if she was linking my drinking of alcohol with salvation. I would have responded differently. Okay, so keep some of those categories in your mind, right? But she wasn't saying that. She was just saying in terms of my life. She wasn't doubting my, my faith or my Christianity, my, my salvation. But she was saying to be a good good Christian, you wouldn't drink. And so Paul is dealing with a number of these issues in Galatians, specifically adding some things to salvation, which Wendy was not doing, Right? but also how you live the life. And just a a little bit of a recap from the first two chapters, and the context is Paul had had shared and really planted this church, the churches, the house churches in Galatia, and yet he had followed up, there were some he calls them, or they're called Judaizers, that they were saying, hey, you need to be circumcised And essentially become Jewish and follow the the kosher laws in your life. And he was saying, no, you're missing it. I thought of this analogy, I hope this works. Have you heard of the idea that there's two kinds of, the phrase, there's two kinds of people in this world? Yes? So there's two kinds of people, those who are wise and those who are otherwise those who have and those who have nots. Those who like pineapple on their pizza and those who don't. That's P's uh, contribution to the message. All right, yeah. Now, I, I genera- oh, uh, Marshall, uh, Groucho Marx said this, there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who think people can be divided up into two types and those who don't. I generally don't like that, right? It's dismissive of all the uniqueness and all the diversity of people, absolutely. But I wonder if it would be helpful in the book of Galatians if we think of it like that, because Paul is saying, you can't mix, you either are saved and live faith in the grace of God, or by works. You, you can't mesh them, right? You can't mesh them. I happen to kind of like pineapple on my pizza, so I can kind of go either way, but generally it, from my Chicago roots it violates that, but like, I can still do it from time to time. But I think Paul is saying, no. You're missing the radical transformation of God's grace in your life if you're still trying to earn the love of God. All right? If you hold those two, and let's read the the first several verses of of, uh, Galatians 3. So unfortunately, Paul, he's not softening... at all by chapter 3, right? Chapter 3, you foolish Galatians. In fact, he's still heated up, right? He's still upset. Who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So important to Paul. That he's saying, don't you realize, I presented the essence, the central part of the Christian faith is how we see and understand and believe this Jesus of history, this Jesus of scripture, this Jesus that was the apostle's presentation of this person who came and died for our sins. He said he was clearly presented to you. And now you're living in such a way that is moving off of the centrality of the Jesus that was portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. He says just one thing, but he asks five questions, rhetorical questions. (laughs) Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It's a rhetorical question, right? What's the answer? By the Spirit? What they heard. Are you so foolish? Again, a rhetorical question. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So you're stepping away from the Holy Spirit and His presence and power in your life. Not okay. Have you experienced so much in vain? Like no value if it really wasn't vain, so that that doesn't matter anymore, your Christian experience. So again I ask it, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Also crucial to Paul is we're going to see is that he's saying, The Spirit of God, the presentation of Jesus and who Jesus is, is central to the faith. And the Spirit of God, he's the source of your salvation and the source of your life today. If you choose anything else, Old Testament law was their condition, right? Or anything else today, rule following in our condition, he says you're off, you're missing it. You've begun with the Spirit. He carries you all the way through to the end. Don't get out of step with the Spirit. Then he says, verse 6, so also Abraham, he's trying to stir up in us to go back to the model of faith for us, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He's illustrating again from the beginning, it's not what Abraham did. It's what he trusted in that was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Other places Paul is saying no, it, it's not about biology. It's not if you do the, you know, 23 in me and you look and do you have a little bit of Jewish in you? In fact, I did 23 in me, and I was really hoping for a little bit of Jewish and a little bit of Native American Indian, but nothing. All right? Just a European mutt. All right? But he's saying it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Your biology doesn't matter. In fact, he's going to say a lot more. doesn't matter by the end. It's just faith. If you have faith, you are sons and daughters of the father of our faith, Abraham. Understand again, verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify, be made right, the Gentiles, by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. Pastor Jedidiah read that as part of the dedication. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, not the man of works, not the man of deeds, the man of, say it with me, Faith. faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. It's interesting. Why would Paul say that? It is written, he's going to quote Deuteronomy a couple of times here. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to, uh, to do everything written in the book of the law. So if you're trying to earn your way with the book of the law and you make one mistake ever in your lifetime. You're under a curse, is what he's saying. Clearly, no one relies on the law is justified before God. It just can't be done because, again, quoting Old Testament, the righteousness will live by faith. Habakkuk. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it is. It says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of Of the Spirit. All right, let's pause right there. A little challenging of what Paul is saying. It's a nuanced argument. So let's try and unpack this just a little bit, especially in our modern context. So, when I want to give you this analogy or return to the analogy that Jedediah shared of adoption, justified means that you become a member or a household of the family of God. That's salvation. That's being born again is when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You're, You're justified in that way. Again, people were saying, they had come behind Paul and were saying, no, no, no. Salvation actually, yeah, Jesus is important, sure, all good. But we need to add some things to that. Like circumcision. Like kosher laws. And, and Paul is saying, no, you, you can't go both ways. You can't have it together. And, and I think part of this is so challenging for us because so much of life is about earning, right? Right? Right, so if we want a career, you you got to earn it. If we want to make our parents happy, we we've got to earn it. So we we base so much. There's no free lunches in this world, right? You got to pick up yourself by your bootstraps and get her done, right? Right, you you do it. Like most of life, we have this earning mentality of achievement. And of performance. And that's essentially what those leaders were saying. Is that there's still some additional works that you do. Acts of obedience. Acts of good deeds that you do to get into the household of God. To be justified and to be born again. And Paul is saying, no, don't you recognize... That you're choosing a different kind of life. There's only two people, kinds of people in this world. The kind who live by faith and the kind that live by deeds. He says, if you choose, if you go back to the deeds-based life, I want you to know you're under a curse. Eeks, wait, what? What's Paul talking about? He's going back to the Old Testament. Again, look at verse 10. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written. Why does he quote? Why is he quoting Deuteronomy here? He's saying if you break one of the laws, if you said, hey, I'm going to just do it right, there's uh, 613 commandments in the Old Testament. I'm going to do it right. Now, that's not to mention the Mishnah. Do you know what the Mishnah is? The rabbinic leaders also wanted to put a hedge of protection around following those 613 commandments. So they wanted to really what ended up is they ended up adding commandments. Another place, Paul was going to say, Boy, I was doing that well, I was so zealous. I would would compare myself to anyone in terms of following the commandments to try and get into the household of God. He said, guess what? It didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. You're missing it. I hope this, maybe this analogy, I'm just trying to throw if this might help. You're trying to, You've got the shovel, and you're you're working because you want to be right with God. You wanna you wanna just build this building of righteousness and commandment following that will be that you can. And it's kind of nice, right? If we have the rule book in front of us, if we can. Have you ever been like so frustrated? You're like, would you just tell me what you want me to do? right? There's an easy way to that, right? It just I just want to follow the rules. Can you give me the rules of the game? That's, uh, my wife and I always have that. She's always just, give me the rules, right? And all that. And I, but the spirit of the rule, no, you're cheating. No, I'm not. But anyway, it's just, there's an easy way if we just have the rules in front of us and follow the rules, it can be easier. But Paul is saying, no, don't you realize that when you try and live a life like that, one violation, and you're under a curse. He's saying, I would say, you need to lay down your shovel, your works, and you need to pick up a white flag of surrender. And you need to recognize you can't do it on your own. You're not good enough. You're going to violate the law and you're going to be under a curse. And in fact, just to add that he's going to say this kind of life, this rule-following life, you're going to fall into legalism, fear, condemnation, guilt, without joy, without kindness. No wonder Paul is upset. He's saying this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And to add to that, To be under a curse also is, don't you realize, Paul will say in other places, but also I want to include some of Jesus' words in understanding Galatians. Jesus said this about sin. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If you're trying to live by your own righteousness, there is this power at work that will drive you nuts. You'll return like like dog to vomit. You'll return again and again. If you try and live your faith life through following rules, the power of sin is at work in your life. Living by faith looks different. It's a different Picture. Let me give you this other analogy. Just trying to give analogies to to bring us to today. I was thinking of citizenship versus adoption. How do you become a citizen of the United States, Calvin? you, You had to do a number of things, right? You had to go through the process. You had to perform these particular things. To become a citizen of the United States. How are you you adopted? Those little ones do nothing. They just receive the love of the parents. That's what the Christian life is like. Now, notice, look at verse 13 and 14 again with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it was written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. By faith, we might receive the promise of the spirit. So then he says, I want you to go back to this picture. Don't simply go back to the ancient Israelites who were following the law, would you go farther back in Abraham? And would you notice that Abraham had a relationship with God? the word faith, right, you can say is trust, is he has this experience of God, these promises of God, and then he performed these five acts to affirm, no, he simply said, yes, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to believe you, I'm going I'm to trust you, I'm going to walk with you. Now, part of the nuance is how does obedience and how does righteousness play in? Right? In fact, Paul talked so much about grace, people are like, so we get to do whatever we want and sin? Where I, and, and yeah? And Paul's like, no, no. But you do have to understand obedience and righteousness in a different way. Was Abraham obedient? I mean, he had a few slip-ups. But for the most part, he was seeking to obey God from this relationship of trust. It wasn't about trying to earn God's promises. It wasn't about earning the inheritance that he was promised. It was about having this experience of trusting faith. And then living in response to that relationship, that faith with God. And friends, I want to suggest that for many of us, we still understand the Christian faith... By do's and don'ts. It was preached to us. By rules to follow. That you earn salvation. By being good. That you follow. The way of God. Because you don't want to be zapped. From on high. Yes. Do some of us still carry that? Uh Uh-huh. Now, notice Paul's argument. He's saying, right, Abraham is that, is that model for us, this relationship of trust and of love. And then Paul's going to say in another place, 2 Corinthians, he's going to say, Christ's love compels us to live for him. We're not doing good deeds to earn his love, we're doing good deeds because we've experienced his love. And that compels us to righteousness. And that is a huge difference. You with me? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mikey. I appreciate the affirmation. All right. Now, um, So I'm not going to read this next part, uh, Galatians 3, 15 through 22. I'm going to leave for you to reflect on this. But essentially what Paul is saying is a couple of things. Is that um, it's life by faith, promise, inheritance. It came first. Abraham predates the, the law through Moses, Right? And he's saying, you haven't gone back far enough. In fact, 430 years prior to the law was Abraham. And the law does not change the covenant that God has with Abraham and you and I. Okay? Just try and remember that, read that. He also is going to talk about the law. He asked, actually asked the question, why then was the law given? Somewhat nuanced, challenging, but I, I like to think of it like this for a good reason and a bad reason. The law is a good reason, a bad reason. The, the law reveals the heart of God and the person of God and the truth of God to us. The bad part is also about revelation. It reveals our sin. Right? All right. Now, we're going to pick it up, Galatians 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Talking about uh, life as the Jews prior to Christ. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. That word guardian in its context is more like an older tutor watching over a young child trying to help them learn as Jedediah said last week the ways of the household family. They're in the family, they're trying to learn how to live as children of God. All right? Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. In fact, we've grown up and are adult children of the law of Christ. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Let's Work a little bit backwards for just a moment this these passages of twenty eight and twenty nine incredible statement he's saying don't you get it that this new life in Christ <laughs> removes all of the old distinctions the The ground is level at the cross can you it was uh, it was um, in in the day first century Some Jewish men would pray like this. This is a known prayer. Lord, I thank you that I am not a Gentile or a slave or a woman. Hallelujah. See the mentality there. He's saying, no, don't you get that this new way of life removes all of those economic or or cultural or gender distinctions that this that that the 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 ground is level at the cross. Don't Don't you see that? It's a radical transformation. And then he says it changes how you live. Life by faith. The righteous will live by faith. This idea is, uh, is... And this is the best way that I can put it. Is that we live in relationship rather than rule following. We live... right. Jesus said, if you, will love, if you love me, you will what? Obey me. Obedience isn't about guilt and fearful and getting it just right and crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. No. Obedience and righteousness comes from this loving relationship we have with Christ Jesus. And by the way, look at it this way. Who was the author of all of scripture. God and specifically the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit. And now in the new covenant, we get the author of the truth and revelation of God. Where does he dwell now? We've got the author of the book in us. That's why Paul is saying, don't, don't you see he's taken and he no longer is this outward obedience okay. In fact, it's not okay. It's, you're going to live under a curse. You're going you're to violate. But the author is dwelling in you. And I want to change your hearts. And I want life to flow from The relationship that you have, just like with Abraham, he had a relationship with God. He believed God. He had faith in God. He trusted God. And he sought to live. And and really, you could say he was compelled by the love of God. And Paul is saying, So should you be. Don't misunderstand Christianity. It's not simply do's and don'ts. It's not simply keep your nose clean and be a good person. It's not about earning salvation because you can't. You'll be under a curse. It is about receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He took the cross. Let me put it this way. I was meeting with a good friend some while back, and he was wrestling. He had, he had sinned and had come to me for a little bit of confession. And so we were talking about it, and he said, man, I'm just, I'm just I think that God, I'm just waiting for him to, to really punish me bad for this. I could see the the guilt and the shame on his face. And I said, well, he has. I was pretty nasty. Boy, if you reflect on the cross of Jesus, he really, he brought the pain. The question is, are you going to receive that? You trust him and begin to live from a place of, I would say, humility and repentance and love. Are you going to let the love of Christ Jesus compel you to not sin again? Are you seeing it? It's an interesting challenge. Now, I, I just want to say a few things. Again, I'm going to anticipate a little bit of where, where we're going, where Paul is going. This is not life of rule following. It's a, a life of following the Spirit. So I'm going to just say, again, Galatians 5, just to remind you, most of you know these verses. But he's getting to, what should, your, what should be the hallmarks of this new kind of life? This different kind of people who actually eat pineapple on the pizza. What does that look like? <laughs> Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What are you saying is don't you realize it's not who crosses the T's and dots the I's? It is that the, the love of Christ, the kindness of Christ, the goodness of Christ is flowing out of your life. And that's a different way to live. Don't test yourself. By the rules and regulations, test yourself by the presence and the power and the fruit of the Spirit that is filling your life in that way. Incredibly, Paul is arguing that you go from a place of curse to a place of promise and inheritance, having believed, he says in another place, Ephesians 1, You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you know that from this point on, Paul is going to use reference to the Holy Spirit 16 times. He's going to keep repeating again and again and again. In the past, I've said, you know, people have left the church because I've used, I'm a charismatic, and they don't like that, right? And what I've tried to say to some is, hey, first and foremost, I'm a charismatic because I think the Holy Spirit is so central to the new life that Christ is trying to give us. If we don't have the Spirit, if we're not listening for His voice, if we're not pursuing His fruit, what are we doing? Well, I guess we could try and follow 613 laws. I mean, that would be another way. Sign me up for the Spirit, right? Okay, we can talk about gifts and when it gets funky and all that, but still at the foundation of it, like the life is a Spirit Centered life. That's why Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, right? He's saying, pay attention to what the Spirit is doing in your life and through you, and keep in step. That's why he centers the life of the Christian on the Holy Spirit. All right, should I drink alcohol as a Christian? I mean, I put a little tequila in here just as a... Oh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You can test it. It actually has a cough drop. It's really gross. but <clears throat> All right. So this is what I think. So, so again, what my dear friend... Think about this. This is, this is a, a woman who loves the Lord, and her intentions were great, Wendy, this elder, who was seeking to be faithful to Jesus, right? I wrestled through that. And uh, some of you might want to write this down. uh, Romans 14, Paul uh, introduces this idea of disputable matters. He says that there's some matters that it's non-negotiable. Adultery, no, don't try and talk to me about justifying adultery, all right? No, you don't need to listen for the Lord. It's clearly revealed that that is a sin. But there's other things that I think intentionally, I would argue God has not laid all of this out. Go back to Abraham. He had to journey with the Lord and figure out what was right. And honestly, I'd like to say that I have a clear conscience about my alcohol consumption. If I wrestled at all with um, uh, drunkenness and addiction, I'm fairly certain that the spirit would say, Eric, you need not to drink any alcohol, not a touch, not a drop. Should I impose that on everybody else? Leaders have done that for a long, long time. They impose on disputable matters that on others, right? But in my relationship with Jesus, I'm going to just tell you, I have a clear conscience. I want to follow him with everything I've got. And if the consumption of alcohol is going to throw me off, I I, I won't have another beer again. Now, also, I've restricted, I'm mindful of my use of alcohol. And another good friend, we would hang out with his parents. His parents struggled with alcoholism. We would do family parties and we would do all sorts of things. I never touched a drop because I knew it was a stumbling block for others. It's another argument that Paul will bring in, especially Romans 14, right? But here's the deal. is Paul is saying, it's about relationship, a trust, a faith with God. And then you talk to him about what he's doing in your life. And you discern in those matters. You don't live legalistically. You live by the Spirit. And if something is going to get in the way, then be compelled by love. And don't do it. But don't let someone... Right, Galatians chapter 2, he uses the spying on the freedom there's a freedom in this way of living and it's really hard in a culture and context of rule following and earning and performance but you're saying don't do it this other way of life is so beautiful so sweet so filled with the, the grace and the love of Jesus Choose that. Choose Jesus. Choose his spirit. Choose freedom in Christ. Choose obedience out of love. Would you pray with me? So Lord, I celebrate that we get to be your... Adult children of God. How incredible that the author of Scripture dwells in us, that we are your temple, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you teach us to live the lives you call us to live? Would you teach us to live lives that reflect your grace, your mercy? your loving kindness in our lives. Lord, would we not ask what we can get away with? Would we ask and allow your love to compel us for how we live? Amen. Can we stand together for the benediction? If you have kids after the benediction, would you get them? The the worship team is going to play one more song. If you'd like to share in some fellowship and community in the atrium, that would be great. If you'd like to participate in um, one more song of worship just to give thanks and respond to him. So would you go in the love of God, the love of the Father, When we were yet sinners, he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. Would you go in the grace of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.